Welcome to Ask the Ascot. My name is Michael Beck. This is episode 10. Government of the Golden Doodle, by the Golden Doodle, for the Golden Doodle. Ask me any question on any topic, and I'll answer as many as I can in the ten minutes that the government permits us to have together. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at AskTheAscot, or email me, AskTheAscot, at gmail.com. Jan asks, via email, what form of government lasts the longest? Jan, I'll caution you now that my first answer to this question shall be unsatisfying. My second answer shall be both unsatisfying and upsetting. So, if you'd like to get some chili cheese fries to help you cope, now is a good time. Okay. Answer number one. I should say, up front, that my educational background is in history. A political scientist or an anthropologist or a different, better historian, might give you a different answer than I'm going to here. From around 300,000 years ago, when Homo sapiens first appeared, until agriculture emerged about 12,000 years ago, humans lived as hunter-gatherers. They had extremely localized tribal governance in this period, based mostly on kinship ties, and most important decisions were probably made communally. So, by default, the longest-lasting form of government is that kind of tribal governance. For well over a quarter million years for our entire species, and some people still live this way today. I tried to warn you that this answer would not be very satisfying, Jan. Now, my second answer to what is the longest-lasting form of government. I avidly hope it's the representative liberal democracy of the United States, because that's the government that I and my soft, soft body live under. I don't know if my American listeners have looked out their window lately, but it's gotten mighty gray out there, and no one seems to know how to fix it. I'll take some of those chili cheese fries now. Friend of the show Michael, not me Michael, but a different, better red Michael, asks, what is the coolest ascot ever worn by Vincent Price? Every ascot ever worn by Vincent Price was the coolest ascot ever worn by Vincent Price, Michael. He was an American actor who appeared in many movies and was best known for his campy performances in horror films in the 1950s through the 70s. Price and his wife, Mary Grant, wrote several cookbooks together, I've put up a link on Twitter to a YouTube video of Price poaching a trout in a dishwasher on The Tonight Show. And it's one of those horrible, unplumbed, portable dishwashers from the 1970s, of course. Vincent Price also wears a very courageous white blazer and French blue tie while he's doing all of this. The 1970s were a hell of a time, gentle listener. It also has a great exchange in which Johnny Carson is trying to come up with something nice to say about this abomination he's witnessing, and Carson mentions how easily the dishwasher trout can be boned. Vincent Price then quips, 
oh, I've been married so many times, I've learned how to bone anything. If you tuned in today to hear my Vincent Price impression, gentle listener, that was it. There shall be no refunds. Speaking of Vincent Price's voice, he's the voice of the villain Radigan in the 1986 animated Disney film The Great Mouse Detective. It was one of my favorite movies as a little boy. I haven't rewatched it in many years, but I remember seeing it in my neighborhood single screen theater, the Daybell Cinema, in Dayton, Ohio. The whole film is basically what if Sherlock Holmes was a mouse, and what if his nemesis, the brilliant Moriarty, was a campy, ascot wearing giant rat named Radigan? The movie is positively packed with ascots, as you might imagine. And it's just so much fun to say Radigan! It's difficult to explain just how much I wanted to be Radigan, or Abraham Lincoln, or the Care Bear Tenderheart when I was in kindergarten. Michael, obviously this question wins a treat. Alas, I don't have one of Vincent and Mary Price's cookbooks, but I'll go into my archives and select one of my books on Hollywood history for you. The next question is from my brother David, who provides the theme music for this very podcast. He's recently acquired an adorable golden doodle, and he wonders, what is the best name for a dog? There are three criteria for the best dog name. One, the name should be easy to say and to understand. Two, the name should consist of two syllables. Three, the second syllable of the name should end in a long E. Molly, Bailey, Wally, Bernie, Frankie, Bobby. These are the best dog names. Your new canine friend will want a name that they recognize as their own when their people say it to them, so nothing complicated or unusual here. The puppy's human family, friends, and visitors will also want to learn the dog's name, and human visitors by and large don't want to hear your explanation of why you've named, say, your basset hound, Colonel Lugubrio Wafflington IV, and they likely won't remember that name either. I've already forgotten that name. I recommend a two-syllable name that ends in a long E for the times that you'll need to call your doggy's name out across a field. A long E is the sound that travels best. If, say, Methuselah chomps his pig's ear and bolts into the neighbor's yard, he'll be half a block away by the time you get out all four syllables of Methuselah! and you'll find yourself trying to carry that awful uh sound at the end. A one-syllable name, like Al or Joe, gets lost too easily in the shuffle. But you can get out easy, two-syllable, and in long E, Allie, or Joey, in no time. This is why they are among the best dog names. Incidentally, my brother David has named his new puppy Levon. David, I look forward to visiting you and Levon at your one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. 
I am very much looking forward to seeing just how large this golden doodle is going to get. Before we conclude today, I have several proclamations. My first proclamation is that I thank Dr. Sidney McElroy, and not Dr. Justin McElroy, for plugging Ask the Ascot on a recent episode of their medical history podcast, Sawbones. Sawbones is very funny and informative. I highly recommend it to listeners of this podcast. My second proclamation is that I thank Crystalbug for her written review on Apple Podcasts. Now, is Crystalbug also my wife, Crystal? And if so, is it gauche of me to thank my own spouse in public on my own podcast? Of course it is gauche to do so, but it is also tremendously wise and mandatory. So, thank you, Crystal. I love you. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Share the show with a friend. My theme music was composed and recorded by David. He's on Instagram at David Beck NYC. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at AskTheAscot or email AskTheAscot at gmail.com. Send me your questions. Thanks for asking. Farewell. <laughs>